Boston Bruins will play for the Stanley Cup. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Eastern Conference wrapped up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Boston Bruins are off to the Stanley Cup Finals after beating the Carolina Hurricanes 4 to nothing. Um, I'm Thomas Vesio, and always alongside me is Andrew Flager, and we are here to talk about this series first, and then we will talk about hockey news. So, Flager, how do you feel about this? I'm a little bit upset by this because uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs could have been in the Boston Bruins situation here. Yeah, obviously, and it's uh, uh, congrats to the Boston Bruins, though. They did play good throughout this whole playoffs, but yeah, there's a feeling in me as well that the Toronto Maple Leafs could have been the Boston Bruins this year and off to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, um, But you got to give it to the Bruins. They're a really skilled team, and they're showing it now with uh, their top three players also doing very good for them. Um, do you want to go through the games now? Might as well. Let's get right into it. Uh, in game one of this series, the Bruins won 5-2, to two, and Boston scored two goals on the power play in this game in the first three minutes of the third period. And both those goals were scored 28 seconds apart. Wagner and Kampfer got their first goals of the playoffs in that game. Uh, the Bruins in game two won 6-2 in Boston. Uh, it was a very dominant performance by the Bruins. Uh, they were up 6 to nothing with 15 minutes to go in the third period. Uh, and Clifton scored his first ever goal in the playoffs. And Krug had three assists in that game. So that was a very dominant performance by the Bruins in that game. Going on to game three, the Bruins had a very defensive game, and they won that game 2-1. to one. It was a closer game. Wagner and Marchand scored in that game, and Rask came up big and made 35 saves in game three. And then heading into game four, uh, in Carolina again, the Bruins won four to nothing. Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand combined for eight points in that game, and they all scored as well last night. Uh, and Tuka Rask had a 24-save shutout. So the Bruins, they, uh, they've been the dominant team in this series. Other than game three, none of these games have really been close at all. Uh, and the Bruins, they kind of – they kind of picked things up as the playoffs progressed. Like, they didn't yeah. look like the best team at all in the first round, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but they're by far the best team in uh, the conference conference final series. Out of yeah. all – out of both series, I, I mean. Like, they're they're just dominant. Like, they dominated the Carolina Hurricanes. So. Well, it clearly showed they swept them and uh... – uh, St. Louis Blues and San Jose Sharks are going to game four tonight. Um, but I also got to ask you one more question about the Boston Bruins and the city of Boston. Is the city of Boston the best sports city in, I guess, sports history in the like in North America or even in the world? Uh, honestly, it's tough to say. Um, I know that I believe New York has the most cha- sports championships ever in, in the major leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. They have 54 championships. 27 of those are World Series titles by the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, who are the the um, North America's most successful uh, sports franchise? Boston, though, is ranked second for most championships ever. They have 39 championships. Um, and... I don't know. Like, I think since 2000, I don't know exactly how many championships Boston has, but I know I'm pretty sure they're leading a lot. <laughs> all, all cities by a lot. Uh, I would actually have to Google a stat up on that. But 
I, I think recently, yes, they are by far the most dominant sports city. Um, but all time, I would obviously you'd have to go with New York. Question. Fifty four championships in recent history. Yes, I would. I would agree that Boston is the most dominant. Yeah, um, the Patriots made the finals. They won this year. They won the Super Bowl. Uh, the Boston Celtics actually got eliminated from the playoffs this year, and the Boston Bruins are going to the final. They have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and the Boston Red Sox last season. Uh, won the championship. So big, big year for Boston sports and um, their championships are just a part of history now. I guess that the city of Boston, yeah, in recent memory, they are the best. And to talk about the Boston Bruins, because that's what we're here to talk about, the Bruins have three players by the name of Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, and Patrice Bergeron, who are big parts of this team. Um, Pasternak wasn't there for the first Stanley Cup that the Bruins won in 2011 with the core that they have now. But I'm going to read you some stats on the, um, their points this year in the playoffs. Um, Brad Marchand, 17 games played, 7 goals, 11 assists, 18 points, with 10 power play points. That is insane. David Pasternak, his line mate, 17 games played, 7 goals, 8 assists, 15 points. That's very solid, but he ranks second among in the team in points. Patrice Bergeron now, uh, one of the best defensive centers maybe of all time. Uh, he has 17 games played, 8 goals, 5 assists, 13 points, and 6 power play goals, which means 6 of his 8 goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs are on the power play, and that Boston power play is lethal because you don't you don't know if Pasternak's going to shoot, you don't know if Marchand's going to shoot, you don't know if Bergeron's going to shoot from the slot, or Tori Krug from the point. You don't know, and the Bruins always bite you. Um what do you think about that line? Uh, they're called the perfection line for a reason. Are they really perfect? Almost, I would say, because you have a little bit of all playing styles on that line. Obviously, you have Brad Marchand, who's a little bit of a grittier player. He'll get under player's skin, uh, but he could still put up points and put goals in the net. And then you have David Pasternak, who if you put the puck on his stick, he has a lethal shot, so he'll put the puck in the net for you. Yep. And then Brad, I mean, um, Patrice Bergeron, he's just amazing. He's a very dominant player. He's amazing all across the ice. Uh, he's a defensive player, but he also will uh, – he's a playmaker. He'll, yep. he, uh, he'll set up Pasternak and Brad Marchand for tons of goals, and he, he'll put up points for you. So he, he kind of does it all. Um, but like I said, like they have three amazing playing styles. You have a gritty Marchand, yep. goal scorer in Pasternak, and then a playmaker and uh, a defensive-minded player in Patrice Bergeron. So, yeah, I would say they're almost close to perfect. I don't believe that there is such thing as perfect in this world, but they're they're pretty close to it. And I'm just going to read you a stat here. Um, this line has been definitely affecting this stat a lot throughout the playoffs. Uh, the Bruins have averaged a league-best 1.9 goals against in the playoffs, and the league's second-best 3.35 goals for in this uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, and that has to do a lot with this line. And um, people talk about the depth of the Bruins has been amazing, but in this series, it definitely paid off. Uh, we saw a lot of goals from a lot of different players, a lot of goals from the defensive core of the Boston Bruins in this series. And we're going to see more of that in the Stanley Cup finals in, I think it will start, I don't know when, but it should start at the end of the month for sure. And we'll see the Bruins in action again. So the last time they made it, to the finals was 2011 
and they are now looking for their seventh championship as a franchise. So, uh, do you want to talk? I also. About, what do you want? Sorry, to I just I also want to mention that um, I talk about plus minus a lot on on this podcast. Uh, obviously, if you're on the ice for more goals scored than goals against, you're going to be a dominant team. And the Boston Bruins have six players in the top eight um, in plus minus which is a huge stat. You have Zdeno Chara, who's a plus 11. He's uh, leading the playoffs in plus minus this year. Then you have Danton Heinen, ranked second highest plus minus in the playoffs this year. He has He's at a plus 10. And then uh, we have Charlie Coyle, who is at plus 9, and Charlie McAvoy, who's also at plus 9. And then if you go down to Patrice Bergeron, who's ranked sixth in the highest plus minus, he is at a plus 8. And then David Pasternak is ranked eighth in plus minus. He is at plus seven. So obviously being on the ice for more goals scored than goals against is a huge stat. Um, this is impressive that we have six of the top eight uh, players in plus minus from the Boston Bruins. So that just shows how dominant they've been this year yeah. in the playoffs. Big contribution from everyone in this uh, this team. Um, we'll get to some hockey news, if that's okay, uh, before we get to the other series going on in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, game four tonight versus, uh, for the St. Louis Blues and the San Jose Sharks. But first, we'll get to some hockey news. And starting off our hockey news, uh, Brendan Shanahan, uh, president of the Toronto Maple Leafs, will be back with the team. Uh, he signed a six-year extension. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. Um, so he will be back as a president for the Maple Leafs next year and for the foreseeable future. Uh, Ralph Kruger was hired as the Sabres head coach for the 2019 and 2020 season. He coached the Edmonton Oilers back in the 2012-2013 season, which was the um, the most recent lockout year. They recorded 19 wins, 22 losses, and 17 overtime losses. He was also I also heard on uh, another NHL podcast that he's a very positive coach and the. the Buffalo Sabres have had some very hard-nosed coaching from Lindy Ruff in the late from the late '90s up until you know, 2012. So um, they're used to more of a hard-nosed coaching style, I guess you could say. Um, but other coaches who coach the Sabres since 2012 include Ron Rolston, who was there for about one season, Ted Nolan, who was there for a season and a half, Dan Bylsma, who was there for two seasons, and then most recently Phil uh, Housley, who was there for two seasons. And they haven't had any success with any of those coaches. That's yeah. why they've had an, um, numerous coaching changes since Lindy Ruff. Uh, so hopefully a positive coach in Ralph Kruger uh, will kind of help them lead the way and maybe make the playoffs next year. Who knows? They have, I think they have the roster to do it. Um, we'll see. And yeah, Ralph Kruger also recently coached in the 2016 World Cup of Hockey for Team Europe. Team Europe ended up losing in the final to Team Canada, obvious. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a very positive coach. I heard that about him a ton. And, yeah, you just named a lot of coaches since 2012, and that's um, due to the fact that the Bruins, or Bruins, the Bo- Boston, the Buffalo Sabres, Sabres weren't, the roster wasn't really that good for these coaches to coach. Um, they were also in a rebuilding process most of those years, so that has to do with the fact. Um I would like to see the uh, Sabres in the playoffs next year. I think that Jack Eichel would be a very, very dominant playoff performer for that team. It's just the matter of signing Jeff Skinner this offseason. That's a big uh, 
free agent for them and uh, coaching success. There hasn't been a lot. So Phil Housley went on that 10 game, Phil Housley and the Buffalo Sabres, I should say, went on that 10 game winning streak back in, I think, November. And then their uh, 14 wheeler just fell off the cliff. Uh, the uh, Buffalo Sabres weren't the same after that. So hopefully Ralph Kruger can step in there, um, get the guys all together and have a team effort throughout the whole season next year. Other coaching news, it was announced by Hockey Canada on Tuesday that Dale Hunter was named uh, Team Canada's head coach for the 2020 World Juniors coming up in December. Uh, Dale Hunter coached the Capitals in the 2011-2012 season and went 30-23-7 that year, just to squeak into the playoffs to secure eighth place in the conference in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but then the Capitals went on to lose in the conference semifinals in the playoffs that year. Currently, Dale Hunter is the owner, president, and head coach of the London Knights in the OHL, and he helped lead them to five Memorial Cup appearances, including one Memorial Cup win in 2005 and one Memorial Cup win in 2016. Uh, He has won OHL Coach of the Year three times and Canadian Hockey League Coach of the Year once, and he's also played in the NHL as a player for 19 seasons. Dale Hunter will be joined by Andre Turingi, Terrigny, sorry, um, of the OHL's Ottawa 67s and Mitch Love of the WHL's um, Saskatoon Blades as uh, his assistant coaches. So, Dale Hunter. Yeah, you named. uh, I'm happy with that. Yeah, you named a lot of uh, a lot of successful awards for Dale Hunter. I think this is a good graduation for him. Uh, I would not like to see him back in the OHL. I think this guy's too good of a coach to be where he's in right now. Uh, I'd like to see Canada win. They didn't have a good performance in the 2019 World Juniors. So hopefully in 2020, it's better. I do not know where the tournament is going to be played, but um, wherever they go, wherever they uh, finish, I hope it's really high in the standings. I hope Dale, Dale Hunter can help the Canada team to do that. So good for Dale Hunter. We also found out this week that Ryan Kessler is unlikely to play for the Ducks next season after he got surgery on his right hip. He had a terrible season this past season in the 2018-2019 campaign with the Ducks. He started off the year injured, and he had eight points in 60 games, and he was a minus 19. Thomas, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's uh, stats don't lie. It wasn't a good season for Ryan Kessler. Uh, maybe he was playing injured. I don't think he was playing injured. I mean, he missed about 20 games there uh, in the beginning of the season. But I was going to pose a question to you. Uh, do you think Ryan Kessler and the Anaheim Ducks, like for the Anaheim Ducks, do you think the Anaheim Ducks should do what the Leafs did with Stefan Robida and Nathan Horton? Do you think they should do that with Ryan Kessler? I would consider it. Uh, it looks bad on management, but I would definitely consider it. I think, uh, I don't know what his cap hit is. Thomas, uh, do you have a stat, his um, cap hit? Yeah, okay. he's at 6.8 for the next three years that's uh obviously a hefty cap hit um yeah i would honestly i would honestly consider it he hasn't been good at all i i think i drafted him in fantasy hockey this year and he (laughs) let me down so uh, i ended up dropping him after like his first i don't know like 10 games or something like that because there was no hope for him to uh, turn the season around at least i thought at the time yeah but um yeah, no, I would definitely consider uh, 
basically telling him to to quit hockey. Yeah, essentially. It's terrible yeah. to say. Like, it's, it would look terrible on management. Yeah. But honestly, like, when you're paying him that much money, I would yeah. consider it. Agree with you there. Um, It's pretty egregious term we just uh, said quit hockey but that's essentially what Kessler could be doing um there's been a reports that he'll never play hockey again in the National Hockey League sucks because Kessler was a good player in the National Hockey League for the Vancouver Canucks and Anaheim Ducks uh, he put up big playoff performances for the Canucks and the Ducks um, so I guess it's the right thing to do if the Anaheim Ducks do not want to uh, continue to have them on in their cap hit because that's a massive cap hit and a massive uh, number to pay Ryan Kessler uh, on contract for three more years at 6.8. Not very good when they have to sign some other key guys in their lineup. Yeah, moving on to some other news around the NHL. The Dallas Stars signed S.L. Lindell uh, to a six-year deal worth 5.8 um, AAV with the Stars. So uh, that's... Pretty hefty contract. He uh, played 82 yeah. games this year for the Dallas Stars in the regular season. He had 11 goals and 21 assists and 32 points, and he was a plus 14 for the 24-year-old. Uh, in the playoffs for the Dallas Stars this season, he had one goal, three assists, and four points in 14 games. What are your thoughts on that, Thomas, on this signing? Um, it's a big number, uh, 5.8 uh, currently for – six more years for the Dallas Stars. That's a big number to pay. Uh, the Dallas Stars did, though. They feel like that he needs to be in the lineup every night. Uh, he needs to be part of their future team. Uh, S. Lindell is a great defenseman. I think he's going to be even greater going into the future. I just think that 5.8 is a bit high. I would have probably guessed before the start of the season, maybe 4 to 4.5, and entering the playoffs, probably the same amount of money. 5.8 is high. Um, the Stars are not in cap trouble, but they have a lot of guys to sign, and he's the first player to go um, in their books for next year. So uh, good for Essel and and good for the Dallas Stars. They got what they needed in a young defenseman, and he will be back with them for the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think um, 5.8 per year is that's a very high contract considering his stats, but um, he is more of a, a stay-at-home defenseman, I guess you'd say. He's not focused on uh, his offensive game yep. as much as some other defensemen in the league are. Um, but I think they're looking at the long term here. Uh, he's only 24 years old. He's playing, well, I think in the playoffs he was playing on uh, the top D pairing with John Klingberg. So uh, they're paying him top dollar, I guess, yeah. for uh, to be on that top pairing, right? But I agree with you. I think if I were the Dallas Stars, I would be offering him – probably 4.5 per year. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I would have signed him to six years, maybe four or five years to see how he would perform. Yeah. And then renegotiate. And after those four or five years are up, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but obviously the Dallas stars are thinking otherwise. So, yeah. And he's also a really good diver. We saw that in the playoffs too. So uh, he could be on the Finnish national team if you wanted to. Uh, maybe that's on. why, maybe that's why he got a little bit of a, yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah. Or something. Who knows? Yeah. And, uh, uh, moving on from that subject of diving, uh, we're going to, we're actually, it's another controversial uh, play and it's uh, affected this series quite a bit. A lot of fans are pissed and uh, pissed at the league and the officials for this uh, series in game three, especially, but um, 
first we'll name off the games that the San Jose Sharks and the St. Louis Blues have already played. So here we go. In game one of this series, the Sharks won 6-3. Logan Couture continued his great playoff streak, uh, and he scored his 10th goal of the playoffs and his 11th goal of the playoffs. And Timo Meyer um, scored two goals as well. In game two of this series, the Blues ended up winning 4-2. Schwartz scored his ninth goal of, his, of the playoffs. Bertuzzo scored his first um, goal in the playoffs, and it, and it ended up being the game-winning goal. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that goal, Thomas, but it was a nice little nice. forehand backhand yeah. move. We don't see that from Bertuzzo very much, but it was a beautiful goal. Yep. Uh, in game two as well, Logan Couture scored his 12th and 13th goals of the playoffs. So he uh, he's just been stellar in the playoffs. Heading into game three, it was a, a very close game. Yep. It ended up going into overtime. Um, and Eric Carlson ended up scoring the game winner in that, in that game. Uh, the Sharks ended up winning 5-4. to four. Thornton and Perron, Perron David Perron, um, scored two goals each. And Logan Couture scored again. He's yeah. at 14 <laughs> goals currently. Um, as I mentioned, Eric Carlson scored the game winner, which was his first goal of the playoffs. Um, sorry, he scored two goals yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah he scored um, his second goal of the playoffs was his uh, overtime winner in yeah. that game. But that overtime winner was a little bit controversial because yeah. there's a hand pass leading up to that goal from Timo Meyer, I believe it was, made the hand pass to uh, Gustav Nyquist, who ended up passing the puck cross-crease to Eric Carlson, who slid the puck, I believe it was on the ice, basically through uh, Bennington's legs. And then, so what are, what are your thoughts on that? Because... There's a lot of controversy on this hand pass. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you say. Well, I think it's um, a hand pass, 100%. Uh, I don't know what the referees were doing on the ice. I don't know what they were looking at. But they definitely missed a big call that could end up uh, twisting the series around for the Sharks. And it's it's sad because everyone in the replay and in, in the St. Louis Blues arena saw on the big board that it was a hand pass from Timo Meyer. Maybe Timo Meyer didn't mean to hand pass it, or maybe he did. Uh, the referee should catch that, and that definitely should be a reviewable play in the future because if we have nonsense like that ne- going uh, going to next year, next year, th- that's terrible in the league. Uh, the, that means the league did nothing in the offseason to fix this problem with the officiating and the review system. It's been terrible all season especially in the playoffs and big moments. And it's been involved with the Sharks basically every series. Game seven of the first round, controversial call for Joe Pavelski, five-minute major to Vegas. You know the story. San Jose came back, won in overtime. Game seven in the second round, uh, Gabriel Landeskog was offside. That was very controversial. Uh, The Sharks ended up winning that one as well. And then in overtime, this one, obviously Meyer passed it with his hand to Gustav Nyquist. Carlson put it in, and that's it. Uh, Sharks are up 2-1 now in the series with this controversial play. It's um, very sad to see because you can definitely tell that Timo Meyer passed the puck with his hand. Um, what, do, what do you think about that? Like, Yeah, when I first was watching the game and I saw uh, the hand pass, I noticed it right away, and I, I thought, like, the first thing that clicked in my mind is, oh, like, there, there was a hand pass here. Like, there's no way that goal's going to be allowed, right? Right. Then they showed the replays on it, 
And the, the first angle that I remember seeing was um, on the opposite corner of the, like the, the gameplay camera. Mm-hmm. Um, the camera was focused on Timo Meyer, and he, it doesn't even look like he batted at the puck. Um, and like, it, it just didn't look like he actually touched the puck with his hand. Um, yeah. I think he did. But um, my argument was for this mm-hmm. call, Gustav Nyquist was basically standing right beside Timo Meyer, And realistically, the puck was bouncing to um, Gustav Nyquist anyways. Would it really affect the outcome of this goal? Um, honestly, like, originally I was thinking, like, yeah, like, Nyquist was standing right beside Timo Meyer. I think it wouldn't have affected the outcome of the goal. But then there was another angle show, another replay yeah. of this goal showed. And I realized that Nyquist wasn't even that close to Timo Meyer. And Timo Meyer actually did, actually, he did, he hand passed it to Nyquist, who ended up passing the puck across the crease to uh, Eric Carlson, who scored the game winner. So I think it definitely was a hand pass. Uh, I think that this goal, this goal should have been called back, I think. It's very controversial, yeah. though. It's so either way. It's, and uh, there's um, a lot of beef on Twitter. Oh, People yeah. are beefing the NHL, oh, yeah, saying sure. that they want to see a San Jose Shark and Boston Bruin final, and that's why the refing has been so inconsistent in these in these conference mm. finals. <laughs> but man, like, there's that too, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the refing has been very controversial in the playoffs, not just the conference finals throughout no, the yeah. whole playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um. But come on, like, you can't saying that. that the NHL has something to do with this, obviously the refs have something to do with it, but you think that Bettman and, like, the head of all the head guys of the NHL mm-hmm. want to see the San Jose Sharks and Boston Bruins final? Sure, I'm sure they do want to see that. I'm sure they do want to see uh, two big hockey markets go at it. Um, but, like, come on, that's a little bit ridiculous, I think, to, to think that Bettman – is telling the refs to to make calls going San Jose and, and Boston's way like that's just a little bit crazy in my opinion. What yeah, were your thoughts on that, Thomas? Like, yeah. have you seen any of that that be going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it, and um, it's they definitely have a valid point because uh, Jumbo Joe is obviously close to that Stanley Cup. He's never won it, uh, and the possibility of firsting his old team who dropped him first overall. And winning against the Boston Bruins is has been a storyline um, for a long time. And it could be getting closer and closer to that now because the San Jose Sharks are up 2-1. And he could be possibly versing the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, obviously, Jumbo Joe and the San Jose Sharks made it to the finals in 2016. And they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins there. So now uh, people want Jumbo Joe to get his um, redemption. And win the Stanley Cup. And it could be versus old team, which is insane storyline. And that makes you think that the NHL wants that to happen. And, I mean, it's it's really tough to say because I don't think the NHL has done that a lot. They've done that on certain plays, but I don't think they've wanted a certain matchup in the finals. I mean, the last one I could think of is, do you remember the, we weren't, we weren't watching this, but uh, the Doug Gilmore high stick, Wayne Gretzky on Doug Gilmore. Yes. Yes, um, I've seen that multiple times. The, the NHL didn't want a matchup. Well, they wanted Wayne Gretzky in the final for viewership, but imagine Leafs versus Habs in the finals. Like, you know how much viewership in Canada that at least would get? Like, 
but I, eventually the Los Angeles Kings went on to win Game 7, I think. Yeah, Game 7, and Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings got swept in the finals by the Montreal Canadiens. That's the last one I can think of where a uh, storyline could have been very good. Leafs versus Habs. Who, who wouldn't want to see that in the Stanley Cup final? But it's, um, it's very tough to say that fans thinking this is rigged and stuff. I mean, rest of it horrible. All playoffs. There's no secret to that. And I hope it changes next season. Uh, I think that they need to revamp the whole review, the whole coaches challenge, the whole officiating. Um, we just don't need to see that as fans anymore. We don't need to spend six minutes on our phones waiting for a call to happen. And then when the referee goes to center ice, makes the call, turns on his mic, makes the wrong call, but, or at least we think it's the wrong call. We don't like to see that as fans. We don't like to be waiting and we're impatient. Um, it's bad for the league right now because that's happening in the national hockey league. And hopefully the NHL gears towards, uh, gears, uh, gears away from that. Sorry. Uh, Thomas, I just want to go back to that goal for a second because I know we, we both really wanted to talk about how bad the St. Louis Blues defense was on that oh, was, game-winning yeah. goal. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Well, if you go back to watch replay, Alex Petrangelo was um, the defenseman that was supposed to be in front of the net. He ended up puck watching and kind of ended up kind of in like towards uh, like the bottom of the circle. He was kind of out of position, and Eric Carlson was wide open. But if you watch the replay. I think all five of the St. Louis Blues were all on the right side of the ice. No one at no, all was yeah. – was. I don't even know if they even realized Eric Carlson was wide open in the slot. Like, it was just – it was brutal. Yeah, and, I mean, the hand pass helped Eric Carlson score the goal, but if Timo Meyer gets a handle on that puck without the hand pass, it's going right to Eric Carlson virtually for the same shot that he took. It may not go in. It may not get – all the way there maybe it deflects off a skate but Eric Carlson's wide open and you just don't leave a guy who just scored his first goal of the playoffs alone in overtime because he is very deadly and probably going to put the puck in the net so uh the St. Louis Blues obviously didn't uh do their best defensive coverage but it's a very it's a it's a bad call and it should have been a hand pass are you looking to sign up with the online sports book for the first time or just looking to place bets through an online sports book the breakdown has you covered Check out mybookie.ag and use our code BRKDWN. Again, BRKDWN. And you will get a 50% off bonus on your deposit up to $100. That means if you deposit $100 using our code, you get $50 free. Again, use our code BRKDWN on mybookie now. Anyways, we've been talking about the series for a while now. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just give a brief update on Battle of the Buds quickly for everyone? Yeah, so both Andrew and I, um, I guess tied in a sense. We both picked the Boston Bruins to go to the Stanley Cup Finals over the Carolina Hurricanes. So I don't know what the score is now, Flager. I think it's... Uh, it's currently, I am 5-8. and eight. And you are three and nine um, after the the Bruins win. Um, And right now, I have the San Jose Sharks beating St. Louis. And then Mm -hmm. you have um, St. Louis beating the San Jose Sharks. So if St. Louis ends up catching up, you uh, could tie things up here. And then 
will uh, go from there in the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I think so it's... So that's... Sorry? I, no, I think, like, in the Finals, we have to pick, pick two separate teams. I mean, maybe we w- both want San Jose, and we both pick San Jose, but maybe we have to pick two separate teams, like, one separate team, you know? If you want. Uh, who, who would you pick? Right now, technically, there's three teams left. The Bruins, obviously, in the final. And we still have to see who's going to win the San Jose Sharks and St. Louis Blues matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who do you think of those three teams? Who do you want to win the cup, or who who do you think is going to win the cup? Rather. Um. Well, that's a tough question because the Western Conference isn't finished yet. Uh, the Boston Bruins are probably my favorite right now. I know they're in it, and those two those two teams in the West aren't. But the Boston Bruins are playing unbelievable, and their first line is virtually unstoppable. It was unstoppable for the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's been unstoppable all year. Uh, obviously, if you haven't uh, watched hockey, uh, Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand are that line. Um, Marsh, like, like you mentioned before, they got three different types of playing styles on that line, and they all work together and gel together. So I think that in the finals and seeing that line is just exciting, first of all, and it's going to be very dominant and very hard for the other team to defend that. Um, I think my, the Bruins are the favorite right now. Also, we forgot to mention, Tuka Rask is playing unbelievable. He's putting up a ballot for the Conn Smythe right now. Um, I think he let in four goals in four games in that series versus Carolina. So um, he might be up for the Conn Smythe if the Bruins do indeed win it. We shall see, but I think the Bruins are my favorite right now. See, I would, I would, uh, everything you said about the Bruins is right. I, I completely agree that the Bruins are hot right now. Um, and I think they will be the favorite in the Stanley Cup final, no matter who they end up playing, St. Louis or San Jose. I I would have to say San Jose. I have San Jose beating St. Louis in the conference finals. And I, I just absolutely hate the Boston Bruins. Um, as good as they are, though, I really do think that the San Jose Sharks, they're, they've just been on fire as well in the playoffs right now. Uh, Logan Couture is leading the playoffs in points right now. He has 20 points. Uh, and then we have... Brent Burns, Timo Meyer, and Eric Carlson all have 15 points. They're all uh, ranked fourth in points in the playoffs right now. They're on a roll as well. And I, I would have to say San Jose Sharks would end up beating the Boston Bruins, I think, in the Stanley Cup final. Yep, both teams are amazing in their own way. Um, obviously, Logan Couture is just very, very underrated. I don't know what you think about that. He's... <laughs> The stats explain for themselves. He's scored in every game, um, right? He scored in every game for the yeah. In, in this Sharks. series, yeah, this series for sure, he definitely scored in every game. I don't know, did he score in every single game in the that they played in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. But he scored in every game versus the Blues, and without him, where the San Jose Sharks, um, they're scoring a ton. But that has to do with Logan Couture, whether it's on the power play, even strength. Shorthanded. I think he has a shorthanded goal of this series. Uh, Logan Couture, again, underrated. Nobody talks about him. He's one of the best playoff performers in the recent decade. And and the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, it's not a stupid choice to pick the Sharks at all. But their series is not over yet. St. Louis could come back. But we shall see. So, uh, as we mentioned before, Boston going to the finals. Uh, we'll see who else goes to the finals from the West. I want to add on to what you were saying about Logan Couture and how he's underrated. Uh, he's always been a great player, I think. But we talked about it before we started recording. 
Logan Couture kind of didn't get the spotlight in San Jose for a number of years when Joe mm-hmm. Thornton and uh, Patrick Marlowe were kind of uh, in the spotlight of that yeah. team when San Jose would literally basically made the playoffs every single year when uh, Marlowe and Thornton were leading San Jose Sharks and they never ended up going anywhere, but they kind of hogged the spotlight from Couture and I think he does get overlooked. I think I think he is a little bit underrated, but obviously he's been yeah one, the of... best player in the well one of the best players in the playoffs this year. So maybe uh maybe people will realize how good of a hockey player Logan Couture actually is. Yeah, and he has that new deal coming up next year kicking in. I am certain that it is a seven-year deal or six-year deal worth eight million. Uh, definitely worth it now if he's showing the playoffs. Uh, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. I think we could wrap things up if that's okay with you, Flager. Sounds good to me. Uh, everyone should check out definitely check out our website, thebreakdownsports.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the breakdown sports if you're not doing that already and on instagram as well at the breakdown sports as well we're also on facebook which i don't think many people know about um we use twitter and and uh yeah well basically only twitter as our main social media platform so that's where most people have heard of us we're also on facebook so search us up uh the space breakdown b-r-k-d-w-n uh so go like go like us and and follow us on, on facebook if you're not doing that already um, yep, yep, also, and, we, we yeah. had a, I want to mention that we had a, a double IHF world championship edition of end to end released on Wednesday. If you haven't listened to that, uh, I highly recommend listening to it. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. Thomas and I had a, a great discussion near the end of that podcast. Who's going to go first overall in the NHL draft, Capo Caco or, uh, Jack, fuck. Hughes. Jack Hughes. <laughs> I was going to say Quinn Hughes. Man. No, Jack. I was, I was confused. No, I know. I know. I, I just always confuse their names. Jack, he's a groupie. I was on a roll there. Anyways, we had a great discussion. Who's going to go first, Jack yeah. Hughes or Capo Caco? Um, so definitely go check that episode out if you have to it already. Uh, some of those scores and stats might be out of date by now. But honestly, just go listen to that discussion because it was yeah. a good one, I think. It's a good one. Um, also, yeah, we have lots of other sports content on our website, so go check that out for sure. Yeah, uh, I think that that's all. That's all I have, Thomas. Uh, I'm new just going to mention one more thing. Uh, new podcast for baseball, Gap to Gap. Uh, go check that out. Uh, we have a lot of baseball coverage throughout the whole season, and now we have a brand new co- podcast to join us. So we have the basketball one, uh, our hockey one, and now the baseball one. So definitely go check that out if you're a fan of podcasts. Uh, they're all great in my opinion and uh, very listenable. So. Um, Hopefully, next episode, we will see a preview in the Stanley Cup final. Hopefully, uh, the Western Conference Finals is done. And hopefully, we can preview that because that would be perfect. And, yeah, so I've been Thomas Fessio alongside Andrew Flager. And this is the N10 Puck Talk podcast. We will chat with you guys next week.